It's funny because I always got the impression with you that like, like you were legitimate. <laughs> That's what I wanted, man. You you made twenty three year old me, twenty two year old me, the happiest motherfucker on the planet right now when you just said that. <laughs> Welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And we're happy to talk to you. So this is a, a podcast that Sam and I have been talking about doing for quite a while now. Um, to give you the, the the long and short of it, you know, we grew up in very conservative Christian households in the early 2000s. And some of the things that we, over time, thought were kind of strange about the environments that we grew up in, the churches that we went to, we came to realize that they're not so strange. They're pretty typical. And a lot of people had very similar sorts of experiences as us, and it's had a lasting impression on them. And our goal with this podcast is to talk about those things, uh, to laugh at some of the funny stuff that we went through, uh, to laugh at some of the messed up stuff that (laughs) we heard and went through. And to talk to some really interesting people and hear how it's affected their lives. You know, ultimately, your your teenage years especially forge your worldview, right? It's it's the you're you're creating the filter through which you view life for you know basically the rest of your existence. And it's just a strange lens that <laughs> growing up in that environment made for us. Yeah, I think at this point in our lives as two two people in our early 30s who had spent our, I mean, the first two, more than two decades in, like, steeped in conservative evangelicalism. Um, we That that was our, our circle. That was our, I mean, our church, our school, our college. Like, we were around it. And despite the way that, you know, some people may or may have acted the types of trouble some of our peers may have gotten into as the rebellious kids or whatever. Um, they were all people who kind of essentially believed the same things we did. It was, it was very much a bubble. And I think as we, as we moved on from college and, you, that's when you kind of see, I mean, even in college, but we, we saw a lot of people who we had the same types of people that we'd grown up with move in many, many different places. Um, and, and I think despite where every single one of us ended up, there's like this, this common thread that goes through all of us where, I mean, I don't even have, I could, I could meet somebody brand new who grew up the way I did. Uh, and, and instantly you have hours and hours of stuff to talk about. You could drink a lot of beers together and tell a lot of fun stories. And it feels like there's almost a kinship. And that to me is what, uh, through talking with you, it's like, this is the kind of things that are interesting to us. Like it has such a deep impact on, on your life, on your lives and, 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 you know, to see where people end up and to be able to have the conversations about 
about it and the way it impacted you or didn't or how you changed or didn't like these are all this is that's very interesting to us absolutely yeah so if you are an ex awana kid uh if you grew up in a church school or christian school whatever you called it yeah uh this is the podcast for you um i we're we're gonna We've got so many ideas for topics to to flesh out on here. I, th- I think it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Uh, just to give you a little background, Sam and I met in college. We're both Liberty University alumni, yep. uh, which means we got the foremost Christian education the best. available. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> our, our founder and his son, fantastic people. Uh, <laughs> You know, you may have seen them in some some news reports lately about infidelity and cuckolding. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Now, I feel like I should say right from the beginning that this is not a, a Christian podcast. Yeah, let's get so, that out of the way. You know, if if you are still in that conservative realm, just be aware that there's going to be mature subject matter and language and... Uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. We're not going to filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might get an NSFW tag or whatever. <laughs> All right. So with that, we thought that this first episode might be a great time to just introduce ourselves a little yeah. bit and talk about who we are and how we came to be this way. And so, Sam, uh, good a place to start as any. Where, where did you grow up? All right. So I grew up in New England. I'm from Massachusetts. And by from Massachusetts, I mean, I still live in Massachusetts. Um, I have never lived anywhere else. I've had a pretty, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, I don't have any great cool stories about moving around or this or that, but um, I, I always kind of view my like, childhood in like two partitions wait i don't know if in as a partition whatever i don't know how you're supposed to say that but it's like two pieces two segments i got two segments of my life where it's like that it's like from my earliest memory until about 12 and then from 12 until i graduated high school um I grew up, I was born on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is like, if you look at the, if you look at a map and you're looking at Massachusetts, that arm that sticks out, like I was kind of in the center of that. And nothing particularly Some, like, notable uh, about Kip it. Family neighborhood or something, right? Say that again. It's like some Kennedy family neighborhood or oh, something. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that's actually pretty correct. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it's, it was really nothing notable about it. Um, other than that's just, that's where I grew up. I was homeschooled. Uh, my parents at that point, like for the most part of my time on the Cape, we had a home church and I was almost exclusively surrounded by the same three, four, five, give or take families for the first 11 or 12 years of my life. And then after, at some point, my parents decided to move to central Massachusetts, um, out by, I guess, 
for anyone that if it even matters out by worcester it's a big city in massachusetts and it's west of boston and that's where we that's where i did high school you know i did youth group church and that was pretty much it i was i was a big time church boy growing up i did everything there if there was anything to sign up for that had to do with church i was there missions trips work projects helping old people rake their lawns whatever it was if it was related to getting out of my house and doing something at church i was very much involved and and it because i loved it it was actually it really mattered to me as a kid uh i i, I was a, i bought into it pretty heavily and it was really an important aspect of of my life so i don't know what about you man what was your uh shed some light on your where you're from so I was born in Colorado, but while I was still pretty young, we moved to Georgia. I grew up, the you know, my self. younger years in Georgia, <laughs> very much so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, same same sort of thing, like Southern Baptist Church, uh, there every time the doors are open, basically. My family yeah. was like the Sunday morning, Wednesday crowd. We didn't do Sunday evenings too much. Ooh. So I didn't even know about Sunday evenings until I moved to the South. That is not a Northern thing. You. You don't see that in in New England. The yeah, the Sunday evening crowd at church is kind of like the one a.m. crowd at Walmart. <laughs> like you don't want to be there unless you're Catholic. Catholics big in New England, and they have mass all the time. <laughs> it's just so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, so I was in I was in Georgia until I was in fourth grade. Halfway through fourth grade, we moved to Michigan. My parents started a business in Michigan, and uh, we kind of took like a major step back in terms of our our uh, you know livelihood and things like that. But it was all done under the uh, the the assumption that someday we're going to be you know independent business owners and things are going to be great, which it did. It did eventually get there. But uh, from that point on, I, I lived in Michigan fourth, fifth grade through 12th, I went to Christian school, very Christian school. How many kids were in this Christian school? It depended on the year. At the most, it was like 80 some K through 12th. And at the least, something K through 12. Yeah. Okay. Wow. A lot of dating options, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. I mean, luckily if you're Christian, it's fine if the person's like five or six years younger than you. It's uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I think we can find some biblical precedent for that. Yeah, I, I don't want to set the wrong idea that that's what our families were into or thought was Three, okay. Four, forty, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at the, at the most, it was like eighty some. At the least, which I think my senior year was the smallest it ever got. We had less than fifty kids. Wow. Up. It was I didn't small. even have a class, dude. That's insane. I think there were certain, you know, some grades on certain years where they didn't even have any students in that grade, but it was very much like a, it was almost like homeschooling in a group. Like yeah. everybody had a little cubicle, they worked on their own little books, and the teacher was there and if you needed them. 
and they made and what twelve thousand dollars a year. <laughs> most of them were not teachers, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. But most of them were parents volunteering because oh they got God. a discount on their schooling for their kids. <laughs> I will not get paid, so I don't have to pay as much for my kid to go to the school that I'm not getting paid to teach at. Right. I. <laughs> I have to say Christian school because if I said I, w- I went to a private school, like that would give the total wrong impression. Yeah. This was not a, a premier <laughs> academic environment. And we had like <laughs> one teacher who was actually educated and <laughs> had some background in like education. Oh my God. So I, I went there all the way through 12th grade. At some point, my parents like tried to pull the plug on it. And I was like, no, I need to go to Christian school. Wow. Dude, they taught you well, though. That was a test and you passed. Good job. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely protected my comfort zone there in those later years. Um, I went to my first year of college. I went to Hillsdale University, which that probably doesn't mean anything to anyone except for, you know, our Rush Limbaugh listeners. 50 people you went to high school with (laughs) or entire school with. Yeah, it was like this tiny private school that was like, quote unquote, like very, uh, it was a premier college, which basically meant it was a small school for for parents, you know, rich parents to send their snotty kids to that they didn't want <laughs> to drink and get into too much trouble. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I hated it a lot. And I learned a lot about how smart I actually was. I thought I was pretty smart, but, you know, it's easy to stand out in a classroom of six. <laughs> and, Dude, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. oh yeah from there i went to i i transferred to liberty you know continue my christian education and and that's where i met you yeah that is where we met dude just jumping up to where i guess i'll bring us up through college for me after i graduated high school uh being homeschooled i i didn't really pay i i, I junior year i was i was, did fine like I assumed that I was doing everything right and that my curriculum was normal for the most part. And then like my senior year though, like I would wake up in the morning, go downstairs, check in with my mom, eat breakfast and just be like, I'm going upstairs to do my work. And then I would nap for about two or three hours and do nothing. And then afterwards for the most part, like I barely did anything. I slacked off my entire senior year. My mom, I'm surprised she didn't spend a little bit more time trying to follow up with what I had gotten done. Um, and she then, needed a break from you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you know, honestly, dude, I, and we'll get, uh, this will become apparent as we move on uh, into later episodes was like a good kid. Easy. Like, I, I mean, I had some teenage angst, but it was like out of all of my siblings, well, uh, pretty much out of all my siblings, I was at least tied for the best as far as not giving your parents a bunch of shit in high school. And, but so I, my first year of college was community college. And after uh, my senior year of doing nothing, like my mom had this, I, the angriest my mom, I, I really recall her ever being was with me was when she was going through all of my school books and everything was empty, like at the end of the year. And she was like, how am I supposed to do transcripts for you? Like she flipped out. And I'm like having a panic attack. I'm like, I'm going to be the dumbest kid in college. Like there's absolutely no chance I'm going to succeed in life. So my first year at community college, 
week one in class, I realized that I was one of the smartest kids there. I was like, these kids are so <laughs> dumb. I don't know how I did. Opposite way of that, of me. Yeah. Like it was a humbling experience for me. It was, it, it emboldened you. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, I, I was, I mean, I, I'd say I wasn't a particularly strong writer at that time. I think I fell into doing a, a decent job writing, but I didn't really have to write papers in high school. I didn't have to do a lot. I just, I guess I was just, I don't know. I'm not trying to act like I'm a genius because I'm absolutely not. And as we get into what, I don't know who I am, what I do and how successful I am, quote unquote, we'll realize that that's definitely not the case. But I, I, I was so relieved when I got to college and was like, this isn't that, this is fine. These kids, I wasn't, I wasn't blowing anyone out of the water. My professors weren't like this guy. We like this guy. It was just, I was just a kid and I made it and I, I was happy about that. Getting through. But so tell so tell me a little bit about like your family like what's who are they what are they like yeah so i mean my i got three siblings um i'm kind of in the middle if you can be in the middle of four but uh i'm the second oldest i guess but anyway they it's, a, it's so hard to talk about my family without just making an entire episode about what my family's like. Um, <laughs> we'll make lots I, of that. I know it's, it's tough to even really get into it, but I, I think what's notable about them is, and I'm sure there's going to be some similarities to yours. We don't know each other's for the people listening. We don't know each other's. We are each other's families. We were college friends that kind of fell out of touch for a while. And then, kind of, I don't know, somehow got back in touch. I think it was like when you came out to my neck of the woods for something work related. And we kind of just got together when you were out here and we've been staying in touch ever since. But we, um, a lot of what we'll learn about each other's lives is going to (laughs) be, it's new to us too. So that's kind of fun. And, but for my family, like everything, there was just like that, extreme emphasis on being Christian, that being set apart, living for the Lord. Like my, it was, I mean, that's why I was homeschooled. My parents were very adamant about giving us a good Christian education. And their understanding of that was um, under absolutely no condition would a public school teach me or my siblings about sex Sex education uh, from a public school was absolutely off the table because they would teach you things like safe sex while Christian parents of, of our particular brand were very much all about. They said God's God's wedding gift. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It it was just the number, there was very few things that were like instilled into you whether with words or without that made you realize that one of the worst things I could ever do is have sex before I'm married. So that was a part of it. Um, English, you know, there's a lot of books that, you know, they wanted me to read books that maybe were written from Christians. Um, I, I didn't read the classics like a lot of kids. I'll just 
I don't really recall a lot of the books that I read uh, in high school. Maybe I didn't really read them. Maybe I read about them. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't. I'd be hard pressed to tell you what my English courses were in high school. It doesn't even it doesn't come to me at all. Um, but history needed to come from a Christian perspective because this is, you know, we're God's chosen. We're the runner up to God's chosen people. We're America, uh, not Jews. Those are God's chosen people. Don't. It's not the same, but it's close. And, Hashtag I stand with Israel. Yes. Oh yeah. The, a lot of a lot of I stand with Israel stuff. Um, but I feel like that'll drift us into politics, and we can stay at that for now. Um, and, and then science. Science was like probably the biggest. Um, I think for Christian parents that have been told that the earth is six to 10,000 years old and that God created people uh, or created the universe in six literal days and then set the thing in motion for everything to just go and have the, the appearance of old age is um, that mattered. Like that's something that's particularly foundational to the brand of Christian I grew up in because They'll read the Bible and they that's what they read in the book of Genesis. And they say, if the if that's wrong, then the entire Bible's garbage and nothing matters and we should all just kill ourselves in a mass suicide is kind of the direction that they go in. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that talk. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good subject. So because that that's like the pulling the bottom brick out of uh, my faith. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I mean I feel like there's more to get into with my family than just the things that they thought about why they made the decisions they did, but it's hard to even know where else to begin. Like that was all of this stuff was so foundational. I mean, cause I, I had spent a lot of time arguing with my mom about wanting to go to a public high school or not even a public high school. I actually really wanted to go to a trade school when I was in high school and, and do like carpentry or something, because I didn't feel inclined towards academics or college. And I thought, Maybe I could get in the trade. And then, you know, they just, my mom was adamant that I did not go to any, go to school. She thought homeschooling was best for me. And I, I don't know. So like, and it's also funny because I felt like this is mostly my mom's type of decisions. Like I know my dad must've been active in it, but my dad was just a, and on, he, he, he owned his own business. My dad's a dental technician, which means he makes false teeth. And his job is really cool. He tried to get us into the trade and we didn't want anything to do with it. Um, it's actually a dying industry in the way that he does it. It's kind of being taken over by, I don't know, 3D printers and automation. But for, I mean, he spent his entire, he spent a lot of time working. Um, he worked a lot when I was a kid and he worked a lot and made, he made okay money and, it allowed for my mom to not have to work. So she was allowed to stay home and homeschool us because that was again, very important to them. Um, Stay home and protect her cubs. Yeah. Now something I'd like to get into at some point is the irony of my mom referring to her homeschooling us as a sacrifice because they made so many sacrifices (laughs) so they could afford to homeschool us. And I'm like, maybe you should learn the word privilege because there's a lot of people who would find it a privilege to only have one person in the family work, particularly if you're a millennial. 
and <laughs> younger. But I don't uh, know. What about your family, man? My family, uh, I I think I would. I grew up in a pretty extreme sect of Christianity, and my parents were like, they were like moderates in an extreme environment. I feel like, yeah, like they they, you know they they subscribe to some of that of those extremes, but you know just not in the way that that the people at my school and some of the people at my church did. Um, it was kind of an isolationist community. It was like, we protect our kids by keeping them away from everybody else, which I, I think that's probably a common theme in a lot of people's upbringing. Yeah. I imagine. Like, I mean, even we having kids, I'm like, I got, I, I got two. Um, we'll probably get into each other's lives a bit more, but it's something I understand. Like as you get older and have kids, you're like, I understand the need to protect your kids from things. The irony is now I feel the need to protect my kids from the things that maybe my parents think. <laughs> and I'm trying not to take an extremist stance on that, like at this point, but I I can't imagine the balancing act that that's got to be. <laughs> my, my parents were like, they just really wanted the best for us. You know, they wanted to keep us away from things that they thought were, were scary or, yeah. or that might you know negatively affect us. Uh, we started out in a Southern Baptist church, which was really, you know, very conservative men in sport coats, women in dresses, a lot of it, Okay, you know, that sort of an environment, the school that I went to and the community associated with that was also sort of that way. Um, it was like, uh, you know, our kids don't date. Uh, all of our kids need to go to private school. You know, they all need to get a Christian education. Yeah. Um, you know, really shouldn't listen to any music that's non-Christian. Oh yeah. You know, that's a fun one. Got to vet all the movies to make sure that there's yep. not, you know, a, a, a boob in there somewhere. Did you know people who had that, um, that software. I, I think you bought like a DVD player um, and it would censor out swear words and stuff. I remember that. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody that I knew had one, but I, I do remember that. I had a friend who, um, I had a friend whose parents got that for them. And they, the only movies, the only time they're ever allowed to watch movies was when it was like through that thing. And I'm, it, I was, I, I was, and I mean, my family, I thought was strict. And then when I experienced that, I was like, what? That's the thing? Like, yeah, there is. I'm st- I still know these kids. Uh, oh, one of them would probably be fantastic guest too. Yeah. We got to, uh, to hear about like his dad was a pastor. Um, and that was a pretty strict environment. And that would be an interesting conversation to have. I haven't really yeah, had a conversation with someone that. like that in a long time. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the people at, at my school and stuff, the parents from there were a lot more conservative and strict. And uh, my parents, like I said, I mean, you know, kind of like your dad, like my dad, you know, he was running a business. He was working out in these, you know, car dealerships and independent garages and things like there was no way to shut yourself off from the world in that environment, you know. And, and yep. so I think they kept a foot grounded in reality 
throughout all of that, you know, those years. And, uh, yeah, that makes sense. My dad being self-employed, like he, he worked by himself and that he, he did work with these two other guys for a little while. And I remember him being like, they're so worldly and that it's hard. <laughs> uh, and then he was by himself. And so I'm like, that was another aspect of life that was insulated, I suppose. I, I, I didn't actually consider that as a, a factor in, in their development within church culture is uh, also simultaneously being removed from actual culture. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you, if you have to go out and work with, you know, lots of different people all the time and, and really interact with them, you just can't be completely sheltered from the real world. Right. And, and I think that environment, especially in that time period, that was kind of the, the goal for a lot of people with their kids was just keep them, you know, ignorant and away from the real world. And, you know, if you're diligent enough and you filter out all the movies and you don't let them hang out with those grubby public school kids, you know, maybe <laughs> they'll never hear a swear word their entire life. And then they won't say them because what, you know, what happens if you say them, you instantly die and go to hell. So it's dangerous. <laughs> it's scary shit. You have to, you know, say uh, the, the the salvation prayer in order to <laughs> your, your salvation. I do. Thinking back on like the, the amount of protection that went on from you hearing the F word, you're like, I, I'm like, because I, there was this, the belief of like, well, I, you probably heard the whole, the same saying garbage in garbage out. Like if you hear this all the yeah. time, you're going to start talking like that and being like that. As opposed to like watching a PG-13 movie where some person says shit once. It's going to be like, that's the garbage. Now you're going to say it. And it's like, what poor understanding of people do you have to have to get like that stuck on something so simple? I don't know. It's just strange. Right. When it said you're really just building up the, the mm-hmm. taboo appeal of a lot of those things that you're protecting people from especially with teenagers you know but yeah oh, yeah, yeah i don't know that was kind of the environment that i grew up in and then uh you know eventually that becomes your comfort zone and that's yeah. really you know why my first year of college kind of crashed and burned is because i was out of that comfort zone and i desperately wanted to be back in it yeah and so you know so i transferred your, out to liberty your first college you I don't think you specify it was not a Christian college. No, it was just a very small secular college in the middle of. <laughs> I actually assumed it was you went from a small like high school Christian high school. I assumed a college that was def- like defined as particularly small. It made me actually think that must have been Christian. Twelve hundred kids seemed mind blowing to me. Like oh that my was god, a I lot bet of people on campus. <laughs> Wow. So I know there's like no way to de- de- to separate <laughs> Christianity from from any of your, you know, your origin story here, but like how did you how were you introduced to Christianity and like when did you quote unquote get saved? Oh yeah. Uh I mean, I don't remember not being quote unquote saved. Um no, it's an that's actually a super early memory because the the first house that I lived in was like this tiny little like duplex and i i think we moved from there when i was five 
and I have a memory of my dad, me and my, me and my older brother had bunk beds and we shared, yeah, obviously we shared a room, but anyway, I, like my dad was, I remember him doing that. Like, do you guys want to pray to be saved? Like accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior, accept him into your heart. And because if you don't like the alternative is like you go to hell. So it's like important that you do that. And, and I remember that and being like, okay. And, and I remember my dad uh, just, re- my dad praying and us repeating after him. And, and that was it. I got saved then, I guess. But outside of that, I mean, there was no part of my life that wasn't so interwoven with Christianity that I ever really questioned it. I, I was one of the, I always considered myself more like the true believers, if you will. And I was always bothered by or affected by people who probably threatened by, in all honesty, people who weren't buying in the way that I did or didn't understand it the way I did. Um, I, it, it was a really big part of my life. It was really important to me. I loved it. I loved it. I read the Bible. I want, I learned, I wanted to learn about Jesus and, and theology. I wanted to learn the answers. I, I think I was interested in getting the answers to the, the difficult questions in life. And, you know, when you don't really understand much as a teenager, like, what about this? Or what about that? And then when you have someone twice your age on the other side being like the Bible has an answer for that. The Bible has an answer for that. Like, and then growing up in this, this knock them, this set them up and knock them down culture was, um, reinforced that. So like one of the things I remember in, in school and it's like one of the few books that I really remember, which I would be interested to read again. Um, it was called don't check your brain at the door. And it was basically just a giant shit on evolution. It was like, if like checking your, like, Oh, don't like, if you're going to buy into this, it's because you just like gave up and checked your brain at the door. You big, dumb fucking idiot. (laughs) And I remember reading that book and being like, I know so many people I need to give this to. And excuse me. I was like, like that was one of my favorite books. I'm like this it, because, and then what I mean by the set them up and knock them down culture is that book just straw manned every thing related to evolution. It was like, here's this. And then here's why it's wrong. And then evolutionists say this, and then here's why it's wrong. And then I, I was, I gravitated towards books. Like um, if you're, if you grew up in our culture, you know, the name Lee Strobel. And it was like a case for Christ case for a creator. Like this guy wrote the book on apologetics for why it's absolutely 100% guaranteed certain Jesus rose from the dead and that's why he's God. And and then that's why you need to believe in this. Like, and his whole spiel was like, I grew up, I, I set out to prove Christianity wrong and then got saved and realized the truth of it. And you know, uh, I, I, okay. yeah, I know who that person yeah. is. So I gravitated towards all that stuff. I wanted to, because I, I, I believed that what I had grown up with was right. And, but I also knew the stakes, but it also in, uh, impacted me. Like in a lot of ways as a kid, I, I, I thought I did think about like 
how I could be more like Jesus and, and what it meant to be a good person in the world and what it meant to leave a positive impact on this world. And it, it, that's what ended up bringing me to Liberty. Um, in a lot of ways was like, I, I want to, I got a Bible. I went and got to Liberty and got a Bible degree. And I was like, I, I need this. I need, I want to learn more about the Bible. My, I kind of wanted to just be a missionary. I thought like telling other people about this was like the end all be all. And I wanted to share the gospel with everyone that I could. And I kind of stayed that person throughout college too. I would find ways to fit it into conversations and, and argue with my Christian friends about the way they were living. If I thought they were living in sin, like it, it mattered to me. Like I, I, I really dove deep into it. And, um, there were plenty of kids that I knew from youth group or whatever that were like, they just went and then they did their thing and they didn't really give a shit about it, but still were like, yeah, we're Christians. Probably because they thought the stakes were the same as I did and that they'd go to hell. But, if, if they weren't, but it, it actually was more than that for me. I, we're going to probably talk a lot about the trauma that people get from growing up Christian. And while I have a lot of anger about certain things, I don't really have any trauma. Um, I just loved it and, and cared about it. And, and it stuck with me. I don't think disillusionment in, in one way or another set in until probably my senior year of college at, yeah, at Liberty, but and you graduated. What what class did you graduate? Uh, dude, you're seriously gonna make me do math right now. It wasn't was it actually. It didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me what year I graduated because it took me a long time. Because uh, I did, I I was only in school part time online for a while. I didn't go to my graduation or anything. I I worked at the school. And that gave me free tuition, but only a certain amount of credits a semester. So that's I, right. Okay. So I, I, it took me so long to get through. I took, I got my undergrad and probably the amount of time it took my wife to get her undergrad and masters. Um, so I, it would have, but I've been, I probably would have been, dude, I'm not, I'm not counting backwards just, and making dead air right now. <laughs> but I was just trying to think like you were, I, like I thought you were a year younger than me. So you would have been a, a junior when I was a soft or a senior. Okay. But. Yeah, I, I am, but I definitely was in college longer. It took, I think it was like, I mean, I probably finished 10 years. Like it was probably 2012 or something. It's funny. Cause I always got the impression with you that like, like you were legitimate. <laughs> you are one of the wanted, man. You you made twenty three year old me, twenty two year old me, the happiest motherfucker on the planet right now. When you just said that, <laughs> I would have jizzed in my pants hearing that. Like, I got what I came for, and then that would have been it. Wow. Yeah. I I think for me, so if I was to trace it back, I think I said the magic prayer when I was like six. Yeah, I went forward at a big altar call. So our our Southern Baptist Church in Georgia did big altar calls every time they got together. There was an altar call. They always made an opportunity <laughs> to come to the front and make big life decisions uh, in a very emotional state. So that was when I got saved, and the first time, I, I don't know. <laughs> right? I think. I really wanted 
to have the relationship with it that that you did. You know, like yeah. I really felt guilty that I didn't feel I just never felt like an emotional connection to it like a lot of the people around me did through high school, junior high, college even, you know, it seemed like everybody around me was just tapped into some sort of a uh, vibe that I wasn't getting. And I felt really yeah. guilty about it and I felt ashamed. And so I always tried to get there, you know, I just never felt comfortable uh, with it the way that, that I, a lot of the people around me did. Mm-hmm. That, sorry, so I, I think that's not a, a unusual story either. I think they what we grew up in has a way of making people feel like they need to go through the motions like everyone else to be able to tap into it like everyone else. Cause they're like, it looks great from this perspective and it, it creates a lot of like shame. Like you saying you felt like guilty that you couldn't, um, the amount of people who I've heard say the same thing that they just couldn't, they felt so guilty that they couldn't tap into it. Like someone else that they saw or whatever, like that's, that's a, like, I mean, a dude, that's so common. Experience. That's another one of those experiences. Like just jumping back to what you said from the top of the episode of like, like you think that's a unique experience at the time. Like you're the only one in the room, not feeling it. And like that, dude, it was probably so many other people. Yeah, it's just, it's really built, the whole atmosphere is built on sort of a, an assumed consent to the whole thing, right? It's like, yeah, everything is structured in a way that makes you as a, as an individual feel like you're the, the odd man out. Like if you're not getting in on this, if you're not, uh, you know, getting a lump in your throat and tearing up or holding your hands in the air while you're singing songs, or, you know, going up at summer camp and rededicating your life to Christ, like then there's something wrong with you because everybody else is. I mean, look around, everybody else is. Yep. And I, I, I think that that era would, that I grew up in, because I mean, there, there has to be some distinctions between like the, the conservative Christian era that we grew up in versus 10 years before that. Yeah. Because, you know, it was so, I mean, you think about it, you know, we, I was in junior high when nine 11 happened. Yeah. And from that point forward, you know, Christianity and, and political ideology really merged together. And that's, that's a big topic that is, I'm, I'm glazing over for now for time's sake, but yeah, you know, I was sure house where we were at church, you know, two thirds of the time when the doors were opened and every night, we had Fox news on at home getting like the, the political side of that, that ideology. And so right. I think it kind of set me up in this situation where I was 100% convinced that all of it was, was real and true and legitimate without really believing in it. At a, it was just at a, a fact. Level. It was like something you just, it was just a fact. That's in the way that like, when you realize that like, when you accept evolution as a fact, it's just, it just is, it doesn't have any impact on your life or your feelings or your thoughts. It's just like, this is how things are. And then it, but it doesn't change you. It doesn't, it's not doing something to your inner being or your soul. It's just like, it just something that exists is true. Well, and to kind of like pivot to uh, my education. So my school, like I said, was 
Christian curriculum. It was ACE or Accelerated Christian Education for for any other Christian school nerds. <laughs> um, it was completely 100% written from the the standpoint of we need to secure these children in the faith and the ideology and the worldview that we think is best. I'm sure yeah. every everybody does that to some extent or another, Christian or otherwise. But, you know, my science books. That's taught- when peer reviewed journals come in uh, handy. <laughs> right. Christians don't really believe in peer reviewed academic work. Right. My science books taught that uh, the earth was like 6,000 years old. Yeah. And that when it was created, there was a giant water canopy in the atmosphere. And that dispersed the sun's sunlight evenly. And so. The earth was a tropical paradise. <laughs> that's the Garden of Eden. And that's why dinosaurs could live and thrive. And, you know, people had all these different fruits and things like that to eat from. And then when Noah's flood happened, the water canopy fell and it flooded the earth and killed all but, you know, a handful of animals on a boat, which I mean. Wow, dude, that's extreme. This, that's I, an extreme I, I version of that. <laughs> yeah it was like taught from like a really it was it was dressed up in this like very scientific uh wrapping you know but dude what's Fred, wild about that is like if that's actually what it says like it's not like they're coming up with like when in in the book of genesis they talk about the firmament and it's just like there's like the separation of the waters in the sky and the water like it's literally there's like you're surrounded by water and they that's what people they thought they were in a dome surrounded by water. Can ham in me right now? I no. I'm telling you, that's what <laughs> I'm telling you. That's what like ancient Near Eastern thought was: is that there was like a dome around you, protecting you from the waters, and like when it rained, it's because holes got poked in it. Like it was like so. Then what you have is like some like that's what ancient Near Eastern people wrote down as a like a way to explain the world that they couldn't actually observe. And now you have people, grown adults, who live in the 21st centuries, just repeating that and then trying to pretend like it's science. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, like you use uh, the 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 scientific <laughs> theories of cavemen to <laughs> write your school curriculum. They did dismiss other scientific theories of cavemen, though. Like I think a lot of those primitive cultures believe that the Earth was created by some sort of deity jerking off. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't an uncommon one. <laughs> oddly enough, that's one that I buy into. Yeah, perfect. So tell me about your faith now then. That's what you're into? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I don't like to put a name on on my my god, but yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> so I uh you know, all through all through high school and college, uh very much tried my best to to adopt those beliefs, right? To not just know it as fact, but to really believe yeah. it. Like I said, a lot of guilt and shame over the fact that like, I just didn't, I just wasn't feeling the magic out of all of it. Yeah. And, you know, really once, uh, once I left college, uh, I fell out of touch with a lot of the people who were, you know, my, my closest friends for years I mean, everybody just kind of moves on and has separate lives. And even the people that were in Michigan when I moved back, you know, they're, they're doing their own things now. It's just, it's just how it goes. Right. But 
I think where it really started to fall apart for me was, so my wife and I, which I went, I met my wife at Liberty, uh, April and I got married like right after college and we were somewhat dedicated to the idea of finding a church and, and really just immersing ourselves back into Christianity, right? We both felt guilty that we weren't going to church and that we, you know, felt like we were slipping away from the core tenets of those things. Mm -hmm. But we tried like several different churches and it just, none of it clicked, you know, like you go to a church as a visitor and the first like three weeks, everybody is up in your face and Hey, how are you doing? Oh, Oh, it's so nice to see you here. Great to have you out for some (laughs) fellowship, brother, you know, using all the church language and, uh, there's some point at like the four to six week mark where you're no longer a new person. Like you're, (laughs) you're there now. And so they get you into a small group or something, but people kind of drop the friendly, you know, the overly friendly outgoing facade and they sort of settle back into routine. And just every group that we tried to go to or church that we tried to go, it just seems so like just superficial and phony and just all these people just seem like they, they had no interest in who you were as a person. It was just like, I'm doing my duty. I'm being nice to the new people. Yeah. Trying they, probably to have, the they probably have some weird like outlet on Reddit where they just get to be a shitty person too. Like between <laughs> right. the hours of like 11 and 1am. Every time they talk to a retail employee or a waiter. <laughs> so it just never really clicked. And then what did click was I ended up, uh, I really will talk about music. I'm sure at some point, but I was in a band all through college and that was like my identity at the time. Yeah. I really wanted to get back into it. And I answered an ad on Craigslist for a band (laughs) looking for a singer. And the dudes that I met up with, we just became great friends and they were awesome. They were just great guys. I still talk to them, you know, pretty regularly. Man, that's so fun. We never ended up playing any music, but we did build motorcycles and (laughs) got to know each other that way. And uh, these guys were not, other than one of them, like they were not religious, uh, no connection to Christianity. And they were like, I feel like some of the first people to treat me in a way that made me feel like these these people care about me past the point of like what I can do for them. Yeah. Or and, and care about you, whether or not you agree with them or think the same way they do. Yeah. Not like passing judgment on your, your lifestyle or the way you talk or whatever, you know? Yeah. And that was, they were the first people like, especially my buddy Ian, I just remember some times when he challenged some things that I said as if they were 100 absolute fact, you know, religious or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember at one point we were talking about uh, drugs, not to just totally derail this or whatever, but (laughs) we were talking about drug related crime. And I made this comment that like, well, you know, what they need to do is just put stricter penalties on all this stuff. So people understand that like, you know, this you're gambling with your life and your freedom. If you decide you're going to take drugs or sell drugs and, and he just like <laughs> blew me out of the water with you know, <laughs> how stupid that mentality was and how, you know, like I, they challenged me on a lot of things. Yeah. And at the time I was listening to a lot of talk radio, like 
Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity and stuff. And I got, I started really asking questions about it for the first time. And it took a long time because of the guilt. But I finally like came to grips with the fact that like, I have no connection to this other than the fact that I feel really guilty even thinking about letting it go. Yeah. Dude, that's like, like some of the hardest parts for people. It's just. Oh. Yeah. It's like the, the migration away from Christianity took me years, you know, I'd say a good five years before I really got to a point where I was like, you know what? I am done with this and I don't feel bad saying it. And like, it's not something I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I want to be an angry atheist or anything like that, but I just, yeah. I can confidently say that this is not for me anymore. And so that's where I'm at. I mean, I don't, I don't call myself a Christian. I'm not an atheist. I kind of describe myself as like an apathetic agnostic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do your parents know? Did you tell your mom yet? <laughs> my parents have done a really good job of just avoiding the subject i think they know but they don't want to hear it outright so they've just sort of dodged the uh, subject for a decade god <laughs> i would sacrifice a baby goat for my parents to dodge the subject yeah they, it's, it's hard because it's like you know it's 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 just they just want the best for you, right? They want to feel like you're heading in a good direction and that's, that's their worldview. You know, they've, they've invested a lot in that worldview and and it means a lot to them. Yeah. And they spent so much time. Like, I mean, my parents spent 18 years trying to be like, this is, this is it. This is what's right. This is what's right. And then for me to be like, "Mm, I don't know. Like is. I feel like that must suck for them. But my parents, I feel like my mom, my dad doesn't really get into stuff. He might make it like, I don't know, try to bait me into like a political conversation here or there. Yeah, which I'm, say, except for on Facebook, right? Yeah, God. I'm really good at dodging them <laughs> in person um, or responding appropriately in a way that's just kind of like benign. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I probably actually just make weird noises when he says stuff like, yeah, 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 like that. It's stupid. Um, but <laughs> my mom will definitely say things like, she'll say Christian things uh, to see, I, it feels like to see how I respond. Like it does feel like I'm being baited a bit and then, I'd probably do the same thing there, but I think that what's, so I guess I think is going to be a fun dynamic or not a fun dynamic. I don't know. No one's going to care, but so I actually still surprisingly in, and I feel like it's going to take a long time for me to get to a point where I can explain it or feel like anyone's understanding what I'm saying, but I still identify with, Christianity in some loose form and fashion. I I, pref- I I think the term post-Christian is a better descriptor of me um, because I don't think, I, I just don't care if other people are, if it's not for you, like if it didn't work for you, like what, who, what are you going to, what's anyone going to say that's going to fix that? Like nothing, like you spent your entire life in it. And someone's supposed to be like, wait a second, but did anybody tell you that? And then fill in the blank, like, you know, like, what do you, what's the, it's so dumb, but there was a huge amount of disillusionment in my senior year of college where I just started like waking up and realizing that like, yo, if you can write volumes 
in library, like you can fill a library with what people have written to defend why everything in the Bible makes sense and doesn't contradict itself. Like if you're writing an entire book about why half a dozen verses actually do make sense together, like you're spending way too much time trying to prove something that clearly is just not there. Like, and I started seeing that. I think the first part of my disillusionment in my evangelicalism was uh, meeting people who weren't like me, politically speaking. Uh, I met uh, just, I don't know. I met a lot of different people who thought a lot of different things. And when I was, uh, when, when they came at me or, or challenged me on some of the things that I thought, I was just like, uh, wait, that's a, a really good point. And no one's ever made that point before, before, because I've never hung out with anybody who thought differently. And when you started getting challenged, it like, was like, wait a second. And it, I think it's funny how there is like a self-aware component to like the isolationist streak in yeah. conservative Christianity. Cause th- th- I think it's, it's with good intentions, but they are aware of the fact that like, if you hang out with people that don't think like this, you're going to start to realize how ridiculous some of it is. Yeah. It, it really hits you pretty. It's like a, it slaps you in the face pretty hard after a little while. And, I don't know. I, it took me a long time to get to this point, but just to not spend any more time on it. Cause it'll come out as time goes on and you know, we should wrap this up, but you know, I, I consider myself a bit of a postmodernist, uh, which doesn't typically align with uh, religious ideologies, but I don't really make a lot of truth claims. I, I I've found a way to make what I have grew up with, end up working. Um, I find myself compelled or intrigued by the, the character of Jesus and the way that he functioned in the systems he challenged. Uh, you know, when you're growing up Christian, uh, it, everything about Jesus is all about Jesus told us everything we need to know about what it is to live a life like him. So that way we can go to heaven. And, you know, I think what, made me feel interested in staying in this was when I look at it, all I saw was a guy telling, telling the, the religious structures of the day that their exclusion was really problematic and that any system that excludes somebody or considers somebody lesser than, or any empire that takes advantage of people for the sake of power. Like I, I, I started paying attention to that message and thinking this is neat and and meaningful to me and there's i've i don't know i I, so i stuck with it i guess um i've drifted away from the idea that i have to believe in jesus to be saved i don't the the cons that word makes me cringe um i don't really even know that anything happens when you die i to me what's funny and for me compared to what i guess would be a lot of christians is believing in it in the message and the purpose has literally nothing to do with what happens when I die. And and for most people who are Christian or grew up Christian, uh, there's a, an emphasis on escapism, which is like this world's awful. And, but Jesus is coming for us and we're going to live in paradise. And it's just waiting to get to the next life. And I am more than happy 
believing that nothing happens after this. Like it, 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 it this matters to me, even if, even with kind of thinking that this is, we all just take a dirt nap at the end of our last breath. It's funny because for you, it's, it's almost like more of a philosophy than a religion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I, I would argue that it is, it's a way to be in the world. It's not a, 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 anything. It's not like a series of propositions to assent to. There's no ascending the proposition. It's just, it's, it's a way to be and to live and to function with your fellow humans. I think what's the other thing that's kind of funny is like, you know, you still consider yourself a Christian and yet you're pretty, pretty liberal as a whole. Right. And I've, I've washed my hands of it completely and I'm probably a little more conservative leaning than you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. That's but the dichotomy. And it is funny because a lot of people hearing the way that I would explain it would be like, Oh, I mean, but you're not though. Like you're not one of, you're not that you're not one of us. And I'm like, I know I'm not one of you. Like, I mean, I, I still participate in, in a church and I I'm likely to not find another one. If this one disappears, because I, I'm allowed to be this there. Um, I'm a, it, it, there's no, the person you're going to hear and see on this podcast is the person that, you know, the people hear and see at the church that I would go to on a Sunday if there wasn't a pandemic happening. But, uh, I don't know. I, and, and there's a lot that bothers me about some people there. Like I, I get irked by anyone who, who resembles what I came from and, I have to resist like, so I had that evangelical mentality that I had when I was in my early twenties that wanted to tell everybody they were wrong and and convince them to think like me and be like me. I have to resist that urge that I, I, cause that hasn't gone away. It's like the, the teens changed a bit, but I'm like, when I find myself wanting to do that to other people, I think of that. I'm just like I was in my twenties. And if I can't move on, if I can't grow from there and, and learn to be, in a room with people who don't think like me and act like me, then I don't know. The, to me, then even holding, pretending to participate in this is pointless. Cause I think that's also part of what this is. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's, you know, like, um, I, I don't, you know, it took me a while to not be, angry at christianity as a whole especially those conservative segments of it you know i and i say that as if i'm not anymore i still like i still have a hard time with that at yeah same but i don't hate christianity like i said i'm not the uh the angry reddit atheist you know with the fedora and (laughs) you know typing (laughs) typing angry messages about you know why the Bible should be in the fiction section or anything. Dude, I'm on Reddit atheism and it's not atheism. It's literally just fuck Christians. Like that's all <laughs> Reddit atheism is. It's really like, get over it. It's it, like a, a, an angst, an angsty 16 uh, year old. It's rough, man. I think what it, what it's where it's left me is not in that. An, I'm not a, you know, an atheist that's just hates religion and wants to, you know, dump on it left and right. I think it's just made me very suspicious of ideology as a whole. Yeah. That's a great, I I, I really just, 
I really don't like like the idea that somebody's yeah, like the the you know if you view the world through this lens, everything makes sense. It answers all questions, and there's nothing that yeah. can't be solved by just going back to a purer form of this right here. Yeah, I don't yes. like it, and I don't like it in religion. I don't like it in political philosophy. Yep. I don't think anybody's got the answers to everything. And that, that when people that, start explaining things that way, that's where I start to really tune them out. Dude, I'm 100% with you. That belief that permeates everything. But I think that's why religion's appealing to people because I, I think in a lot of ways, the same people who are attracted to religion for the, the offer of certainty, even if you're not religious, you're offered that in other places and people gravitate towards it and double down on it. And like, yes, that's what that's that was, a, I was trying a, to... As you were setting that up, I was trying to remember the word that you used for it. It's like yeah. a cert- an addiction to certainty. Right. You just look, life's too complicated for me to have to learn about every aspect of everything. I just need someone to tell me the truth. And that's what so many people are looking for. I don't not drift towards that from time to time. I have people that I look to for answers, but those people more and more are giving me questions and not answer. Like, I, I think that's when you moved. To, uh, we could go on this forever. Uh, but what we were handed <laughs> was a certainty. It, we were handed certainty as children. And that feels good when you're a kid and you either just live with cognitive dissonance as an adult and stick with it and say, I don't need to think about that. I'll just believe this. Everything works. I'm good. Keep your head down. Or you just embrace like, that's the other fun thing about being considering or associating with Christianity is I have no sense of certainty in anything. But that's not something that often gets coupled with, with Christianity. And it's definitely something that I've received flack for from certain people at times in my life, but I don't know. I'm fine with it. And if someone goes, look, man, you're just not a Christian. I go, that's fine. Cause I don't need you to think I am. I, it, I don't really like the word. It's not particularly helpful in today's society, but I don't really know what else to use. Uh, it comes with a lot of explaining. Uh, but if someone tells me that they don't think I am, like if I told someone, I don't think you're a Christian, they'd be like, <gasps> because that, that means they're like, what happens after that is dangerous and scary. But if someone's like, I don't think you're a Christian, I'm like, so what? Like, well, that means you're going to hell. I'm like, no, well, I'm not worried. That's fine. Like, I don't need you to think I am. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. Uh, this is just a way that I've found to be in the world that provide that, that I guess gives me peace and comfort with knowing that I don't know most things. <laughs> and I think that's a good theme to to end this on. You know, yeah. our, our goal with this podcast is not to point out all the flaws in uh, religious ideology or to say, you know, to, to, to belittle people for their beliefs. Uh, our, our goal here is really just to talk about some of the things that had a big impact on us and hear from other people that, yeah, you know, about their, the impacts it's had on them. I mean, make and, no mistake, we're going to challenge it and, and shit on it and joke on it from plenty. <laughs> right. Right. But, we're, we'll, you know, we're going to have some fun with, yeah. with some of the sillier aspects of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if you still are, you know, an active part of those communities, 
uh, by no means do we want you to feel like this is a hostile environment for you. Yeah. We just want to talk about some of those things because it's taken us so long to sort of weed through the, uh, you know, the talking points on some of this stuff to find what's, what our actual stance on some of these issues is. And, and some of them, we don't have one, you know, it's just, it, there is no certainty in a lot of these things, but yeah. I hope that gives you kind of a background on who we are and a direction for where we want this show to go. Um, we've got a couple of episodes kind of in the hopper already where we're going to talk about some, some funny and alarming and traumatic topics <laughs> uh, like purity culture and, you know, uh, uh, the cool intertwining Christian, of Christian movies, fun Christian movies. Oh, yeah. That's if there's any part of this I'm looking forward to the most, it's like dissecting some of these excellent Christian movies that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. I mean, Christianity, we all know if you, is a huge subculture and we, we intend to leave no stone left unturned. You want a, a, a story that echoes, you know, the human experience through the ages. Here's, here's a synopsis. Okay. Islamic terrorists <laughs> invent a time machine so they can go back in time and kill Jesus Ooh. to prevent Christianity. This is a real movie that, <laughs> that Sam informed me of, and I'm so excited to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, all right, anyways, man. what do you say we call it here and wrap up this first episode? Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. See you.